Hey, what's going on, everybody? Happy Sunday. It is December 19th, 2021. We are just a few short days out from Christmas. I love that holiday. Welcome to uh, the Humanity Matters uh, show. I am your host, Dr. Philip Fletcher, where we discuss and reflect on faith and philosophy, leadership, and social issues. We want to engage with ideas on what it means to be a free human being and to flourish in this world. So as always, please take a moment and connect with me on any of the social media outlets, whether that is on uh, Facebook or Twitter or on YouTube. And please jump over to the website as well, philipfletcher.org, and put put in your email and you'll get a weekly email from uh, Arrowmaker, and it's called Personalist Living and Leave Leading, and it is simply a short thought by me with a couple of uh, questions for you to reflect on on the week, because I firmly believe that as image bearers of God, we were created to flourish, not only for ourselves and others, but ultimately for the glory of God. And so, Uh, connect with me. Hundreds of other people have connected over there and I appreciate all the support. And also you can connect with me over on Patreon if you would like to uh, become a Patreon supporter for as little as $5 uh, per month and you'll get access to some unique videos, uh, written content and podcasts that I don't share here on YouTube or Uh, here on the Facebook live show. So connect with me as well. So we're going to dig right into it on uh, today. And Spider-Man No Way Home came out. Yes, Spider-Man No Way Home. Now, loved it very much. If you are watching this video, then you see behind me that I've got a Marvel backdrop. I love comic books. I love the hero narrative, the hero story. I love Marvel. I love DC. I love Star Wars. Those are my three main that I revolve around. I'm a big comic book collector. I collect Funko Pops and I collect uh, action figures as well. It's part of my nerd life, but I also see it as an investment as well. Um, If you see behind me, I've got a couple of uh, comic books that have been uh, graded and signed. And, you know, one day I'm going to pass that on to uh, my family. A lot of those have increased in value. Uh, So needless to say, um, I'm a big comic book fan, right? Not just about movies, but also uh, what these movies are based on the actual source material, right? And some of the most substantive source material, especially the things that you are seeing on the big screen, a lot of it came out of like the 80s and 90s, like huge stories, all right? Um, From uh, the fall of the X-Men, the Infinity War uh, that we just saw for the last 10 years in the MCU, uh, we've got uh, the uh, Infinity Crisis, Crisis of Infinite, Infinite Earths. That's DC. 
Uh, we had the arrival of Venom, the black suit Spider-Man, um, a host of different stories. And those stories are being brought to the big screen. And it is, needless to say, very exciting. For someone like myself, uh, who likes to participate in um, that life of going to comic book stores and hanging out with those who like to do cosplay and collect cards and D&D and things like that and go to Comic-Con. And that's like refreshing to me. So to see um, how far uh, television shows, movie shows have come in their portrayal of comic book material has been astounding. Like I remember the first Captain America TV show movie. I remember the Incredible Hulk when it was on TV. I remember, obviously, Batman. Um, it was in the 60s, but later on. I remember Superman. And then I remember when Christopher Reeve came to the big screen. And you could believe that a man could fly, right? And still one of the most foundational superhero movies to this day. I don't think it is great. And so now other movies have come. So you got the Dark Knight trilogy, Christopher Nolan. Um You've had Zack Snyder's uh, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and then the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Then we've got the MCU, like his own animal alone, the MCU. And so, you know, that first 10 years, we saw the arc of the original Avengers, uh, Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. And that went through three phases, and now we're in phase four. And toward the end of phase three, we got introduced to Spider-Man. Now, Spider-Man was owned or is owned by Sony, all right? And there's a lot of this stuff going on of who owns the rights to what characters. And that's why you see some characters in Marvels and some characters you don't. That's why you see, like in the DC world, while you, you'll see Batman on the big screen, but you won't see Batman on television, so on and so forth, all that kind of stuff. Needless to say, Spider-Man, the Tom Holland Spider-Man was introduced in Captain America Civil War. And then uh, from there, uh, he got his own movie, Homecoming. Out of that, uh, he was in uh, Infinity War. Then he was dusted. And then he was brought back in Endgame. And then immediately after Endgame, the next movie was um, Far From Home, right? And him dealing with the effects of the death of Tony Stark. Um, and adjusting to that. And so in those first two movies, we saw a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker, still in high school, still young, still making ridiculous type decisions, if you will, immature type decisions. He was really trying to be that neighborhood, that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. So phase four comes through, right? And now we've got No Way Home. Now there was a lot of talk about who are we going to get in No Way Home? Who was going to be uh, the villain? Uh, ultimately, where was the story of high school Peter Parker going? So there's going to be some spoilers in this. So if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, click out for a second. Actually, turn the volume down. Don't jump off the show, but just turn your volume down. All right. When I'm done, I will go, hey. I'm good, right? And we'll move on to the next topic. Now that you've been warned, 
So I'm going to go through the good, the okay, and the bad of Spider-Man No Way Home. Overall, I put this as a top-tier MCU movie. Now, for me, my top-tier MCU movies, right, are, in no particular order, Endgame, Infinity War, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Thor Ragnarok, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, and I want to add in here Spider-Man No Way Home. Those are my top tier. Like my second tier type movies are Black Panther. Yes, I'm saying that's a second tier movie. Black Panther, um, Avengers, the first one, and uh, the second one, Age of Ultron, um, as well, Iron Man 1 and 2. Those are like my second tier type movies. So my first tier, though, like the Mount Rushmore, these MCU movies right now, Endgame, Infinity War, uh, Winter Soldier, The First Guardians, Ragnarok, the last Thor uh, solo movie before this next one that's coming out next year, and then Spider-Man No Way Home. All right. They did great fan service. There was a lot of talk was where the other two Spider-Men, Tobey Maguire of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, so Spider-Man, so that was Spider-Man 1, all right, where he faced off against uh, Willem Dafoe's Hobgoblin, Spider-Man 2, where he faced off against Doc Ock, and then Spider-Man 3, where he faced off against uh, his best friend Harry, who took on the mantle of the Goblin, the Sandman, and Venom, all right? That's the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire was the Spider-Man. The best of those three was Spider-Man 2, then Spider-Man 1, and then the third one, all right? Then you had Andrew Garfield, all right? He was the other Spider-Man, okay? Two Spider-Man movies. The Amazing Spider-Man was it was called. Again, this was looking at Spider-Man in his high school days. The Maguire Spider-Man looked at tail end of high school moving into adulthood, okay? The Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, it was cool, right? Got a different take, all right? In that, the first one... Um, Oh, my gosh. It escapes me who the bad guy was. Oh, the lizard, uh, Doc Connors. And then uh, in the second one, he faced off against Electro, played by Jamie Foxx. And then again, Harry, uh, his best his best friend. Well, not necessarily his best friend, his friend, uh, who was uh, became the Goblin. And then at the end of it, uh, he faced off against Rhino. And there was supposed to be the introduction of the Sinister Sticks. But that never happened because apparently they fired Andrew Garfield kind of put it on pause. MCU is like, hey, can we take him? Or can we put him, can we borrow him, right? So that's where we are at today. So those other two Spider-Men appear powerfully in Spider-Man No Way Home. I thought their interaction, the Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield, their interaction was great. It was like they had just grown up forever. But also, being able to see, I think, Tobey Maguire from an older Spider-Man role um, and how he was dealing with being Spider-Man in his universe. Also, we have Andrew Garfield, who was still um, dealing with loss 
with the death of Gwen Stacy that happened in the second one and having that effect on him, but their experiences and how they were able to be alongside Tom Holland's Spider-Man to deal with the problems at hand. Now, the problem at hand was at the end of the second movie, Mysterio, uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, he uh, revealed to the world prior to his death that Peter Parker was Spider-Man or Spider-Man was Peter Parker. And that was blasted all over the world. And so Spider-Man, if you didn't know, was is one of the few MCU characters who has an alias, right? And it, who carries a secret identity. In the MCU, secret identities don't carry as much weight as they do, say, in uh, the DC comics, right? So everybody knows that Iron Man is, Tony Stark is Iron Man. People know that Steve Rogers is Captain America. Uh, people know about Hawkeye. Uh, people don't know that Daredevil and Matt Murdock, Mur- Matt Murdock are the same person. So you've got a few out there who maintain a secret identity. So Spider-Man, being the teenager that he was, maintained a secret identity, has been exposed to the world. Uh, Now he's dealing with the ramifications of that. And so he gets arrested, uh, brought in, uh, facing those particular charges. Hey, fan service, Matt Murdock appears, right? The Matt Murdock daredevil who's in a Netflix series. Wow, he's canon. That's what it's called, right? Awesome fan service. So by implication, more than likely, Kingpin is also existing. Now, if you jump over to the Hawkeye series that is going on right now on Disney Plus, you know last week they showed a picture of Kate Bishop's mom working with, well, meeting with, we'll say that, Kingpin. Boom. So these worlds are being brought together. Awesome. Moving forward, um, eventually, uh, Tom Holland moves out, kind of takes some space with uh, Happy, who was the close assistant to uh, Tony Stark. And he then goes to Doctor Strange. And he goes to Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, asking his help to do a spell to have people forget that he's Spider-Man. But as Dr. Strange is doing the spell, he's like, well, hold on a second. What about MJ? What about Ned? What about his Aunt May? And eventually the spell gets messed up. And what begins to happen is it brings to act in the reverse and brings different people from other universes. And this is the multiverse, right? Who know that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are one and the same. And so with that, you have Doc Ock come in. He's the first to appear. Uh, You have the Hobgoblin coming in. So Alfred Molina, who plays Doc Ock, he returns. Willem Dafoe, who plays the Goblin, he returns. All the original villain actors who played their respective villains, they all return, and they come into the MCU, or Earth-616. All right? Nerding out just a little bit. So this is Earth 616. All right, we got a comment here. What's people talking about? Oh, turn off closed captions. Yes. All right. So going on. So eventually Doctor Strange begins to capture all of the, the, the villains 
right, under uh, the sanctum, all right, and they need to send them back. But in sending them back, they're sending them back to, for many of them, their deaths. Now, in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, Doc Ock dies, the Goblin dies, uh, the Sandman doesn't die, Electro doesn't die, um, the Lizard, uh, he doesn't die. So at least two of them, they're going back to their deaths. All right? And and, uh, Tom Holland is not comfortable with that. Him and Doctor Strange, they get into a conflict in the Mirrorverse. Spider-Man using science over magic traps Doctor Strange in the Mirrorverse, right? A series of events happen where he tries to help um, the the villains. It turns outside because Hobgoblin, Willem Dafoe, plays Aunt May in doing so. Tom Holland is played. A battle happens at Happy's place, and eventually, sadly, Aunt May dies. Powerful scene. Powerful scene. Kind of reminiscent of when Uncle Ben dies in um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. We don't see uh, Uncle Ben dying in Andrew Garfield's universe, but that same important statement, with great power comes great responsibility, is offered very powerful scene. I was very convinced of Tom Holland's acting in that scene. So moving forward, um, a great fight ensues, actually, too, um, prior to that between uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Willem Dafoe's Goblin. Like, this is grown-up Spider-Man fighting now. Like, this is some grown-up fighting. Some of the best um combat uh hand-to-hand that I've seen with a Spider-Man in regards to his villain. Fast forward, Ner- uh, Ned has Doctor Strange's sling ring. Now, if you're familiar with MCU and Doctor Strange, he has his sling ring, which opens up portals, and um, he can move or move others from one <laughs> environment to the next, okay? So Ned does this, and he's focusing on find Peter Parker, find Peter Parker. A portal opens up. There's a Spider-Man that comes through the portal. He takes off his mask. Ah, it's Andrew Garfield. Like, complete geek out in the theater. I was geeking out. I was like, dang it, they pulled it off. Like, for real. And then MJ's like, no, you need to try it again. Or they was like, prove it. And he, you know, sticks to the wall. He walks on the wall. He shoots webs. Got it. They try to open it again. And a guy walks through. Wow, it's Tobey Maguire. A lot older a lot more mature. He comes through Spider-Man. So we've got fan service again. They brought both of these actors into the MCU, right? After months of doing their thing, of denying, 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 and we know why MCU, uh, Kevin Feige, they run a tight ship over there with the house, the mouse. Needless to say, awesome. They finally all three get together Right. There's some great discussions about, you know, figuring out why does Tobey Maguire shoot webbing out naturally versus uh, 
Tom Holland Spider-Man, uh, Peter well say that Spider-Man one and uh, Andrew Gar. Excuse me. Toby is Spider-Man one. Andrew Garfield is Spider-Man two. Holland is three. Right. So two and three are looking at one like, really? We shoot ours out like with cartridges. And they're like, how do you produce it? Does it shoot out everywhere? It was great banter. Right. The scene culminates, uh, the movie culminates, if you will, the great battle. Right. You have all of the villains show up at the Statue of Liberty is getting modified with the with the Captain America shield. Wink, wink. And a great battle ensues. And they begin to, um, if you will, heal each one of the villains. Right. And the final one that is left is uh, the goblin. Right. Doc Ock helps. He turns on Electro. Um, they heal Sandman. They heal uh, the lizard. And then one of the epic scenes, Mary MJ, uh, played by Zendaya, she falls off of the uh, Statue of Liberty. Uh, Tom Holland dives. And it's all reminiscent of what happens in Andrew Garfield's uh, second movie. Uh, when he dives to try to catch Gwen Stacy. Now, with Gwen Stacy, she dies, right? She hits, snaps her neck and everything, right? It was sad, all right? He was unable to reach her. Similar thing happens with Zendaya's MJ. She falls. Tom Holland jumps to try to re- get her. Uh, the goblin intervenes, right? And it looks like what happened to Gwen Stacy is about to happen to this MJ. And then all of a sudden, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man catches her, hits the ground. And it's this emotional scene between Andrew Garfield and Zen, uh, MJ. MJ's, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Andrew Garfield, it's almost as if there's a redemption for him, him in that moment. Just the emotion on his face, what is communicated in very few words, you can see that there's some redemption that happens and some forgiveness of himself over what happened with his girlfriend, Gwen Stacy. Moving forward, Spider-Man takes it to the Goblin. Like, takes it to him to the point to where it looks like Peter Parker is about to take his life. So Tom Holland, Spider-Man... Looks like he's about to, he picks up the sled again. This is the way that uh, Willem Dafoe's goblin died in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. He was impaled by a sled. So you've got this same imagery about to happen again, kind of a la what looked like Captain America was about to do to Iron Man in Civil War, but he chose otherwise. Tom Holland picks up the, the glider and Toby Maguire gets in front of Tom Hop between Tom Holland and the Goblin to stop him from killing um, the Goblin. But the Goblin then stabs Toby Maguire. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man throws the uh, healing agent to um, Tom Holland Spider-Man, and I thought it was a knife at first or something. And he stabs the goblin. The goblin gets healed. And Tommy McGuire doesn't die, right? So at, towards the end of it, uh, Doctor Strange, he's reappeared. 
and um, him and Peter have a discussion. And Doctor Strange tells Tom Holland Spider Man that, "Hey, once I cast this spell, because I have to cast the spell because the multiverse is like collapsing on itself. All right, nobody's going to remember that Peter Parker is Spider Man. Not even him. Nobody's going to remember." And Peter Parker makes a decision knowing that Ned and MJ are going to forget who he is. He makes this grown man decision and you can see it on his face. You can see it in his posture, right? He makes this decision. Dr. Strange completes the spell and there it is. So the epilogue, if you will, is uh, Peter Parker visiting a coffee shop where MJ is working, MJ and Ned are at MIT, um, and she doesn't recognize him, and Ned doesn't recognize him. And for a moment, he wants to tell her, and then he chooses otherwise. And then it ends with uh, Spider-Man, Tom Holland, who has made his own Spider-Man suit with sewing machine, and that's just emblematic of, he doesn't have a Stark tech anymore, He's his own Spider-Man. He has the uh, the alias protected again. And that's how it ends. Now, there's two stinger scenes, one with uh, <clears throat> the symbiote Venom being in the MCU now. And then there is a teaser trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that is coming out next year. Okay, so there's my thing. So top tier MCU movie, great fan service, emotionally driven. Um, it was the first 30 minutes or so, it, the pacing was kind of off for me. And I'll talk to others and they felt similar, right? I think um, there was still a lot of that silliness, uh, juvenileness that was still in Peter Parker that I was like, okay, come on. Like you've like been to space, you've been dusted, you fought. Thanos, like, come on, man. Like, where's the adulting? Where is that at? I was looking for that, and I got that at the end, right? Uh, bad. I think some dialogue went a little too long in some areas, and it should have gone longer in other areas. I'd like to see more of a discussion about the ramifications and understanding as to why Peter wanted to uh, save the villains. Um, a lot more discussion between him and Doctor Strange. Uh, but also, it's kind of good that they kind of pulled Doctor Strange out so that this was a Spider-Man movie, right? But it was also good that you have um, other heroes in the mix, similar to what happens in comic books anyway, who make an appearance, are there for a while to kind of be the assist to the main hero of the story. So overall, I would give Spider-Man No Way Home an 8.5 out of 10 spiders. Good job, Kevin Feige. And here's one thing I want to say. Thank you for honoring as best as possible the source material and not turning it into a social justice, beat it over people's head, propaganda machine. That's one of the reasons I didn't like Eternals. That's what it was. You honored the source material. Where did the spell idea come from? Well, if you go look at the comic book hero called Century, you'll see 
that Doctor Strange, working with Reed Richards, who is the leader of the Fantastic Four, they work with this hero named Century to help him and others forget because he had this alter ego within him that was an evil guy. They honored the source material. They weren't beating it over people's heads, gender swapping and LGBTQ plus IA type stuff and diversity. No, you honor the source material. And as a result, people have responded. In fact, Spider-Man this weekend has made more money than Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals combined. Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals had one common thing. They were pushing an agenda, really ignoring source material. And the ticket sales showed. But when you honor the source material, you have millions, I promise you, millions of individuals like myself who've grown up on this stuff who have the, the source material, if you will. They have the, the Bible, if you will. And we look at it, we look, yes, that looks like a Peter Parker. Yes, that, that yes, yes, got it. Good job. In fact, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go see it again. Yes, I am. So when I go home, see my parents on the list, to go see Spider-Man, No Way Home. Again, you're going to get my money. And if you keep this up, if you just honor the source material, Kevin Feige, Marvel, Disney, I promise you, people are going to turn out and they're going to love it. But if you trash it and you try to do some (laughs) cultural Marxism and do away with what is historical, like you did with Star Wars, like you continue to do with some of the MCU movies now in phase four, it's going to drop off y'all. Like, listen, listen to the people that know. All right. So that's my review of Spider-Man No Way Home. So moving on, let's talk about Vice President Kamala Harris. Y'all, I don't know what's up with Kamala. Actually, I do. Vice President Kamala Harris, President Joe Biden, their leadership is poor, inept. So recently, Vice President Kamala Harris appeared on uh, Charlemagne the God show. Now, Charlemagne the God, uh, he's a DJ turned uh, personality, and he interviewed Joe Biden back in the day. And on Charlemagne the God show, Joe Biden had told Charlemagne the God in his closing that if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. So on this show, Charlemagne the God is in the context is asking about this build build back better bill that is stalled. And a lot of it is stalled because of uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of Arizona and Senator Joe Manchin of uh, West Virginia. They say it's like ridiculous, to which I agree, but that's a whole other episode. Anyways, so we're going to play the audio from this. 
And here's what happens. President of this country, is it, Biden, is it Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? She, she can hear me. Can you hear me, Madam Vice President? They're acting like they can't hear me. Yo. I can hear you. Oh, so who's the real? So who's the real president of this country? Is it Joe Manchin or Joe Biden, Madam Vice President? Come on, Charlemagne. I really, on, it's Joe Biden. I can't no, tell. No, 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 no. It's Joe Biden, and don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. Do you think Joe Manchin and, is and a it's problem? Joe, and, it's Joe, and it's Joe Biden, and I'm vice president, and my name is Kamala Harris. I want to know. So, Vice President Kamala Harris gets in her feelings because Charlemagne the God, real name Miss uh, McKelvey, um, he asked, I want, and I'm quoting, I want to know who the real president of this country is. Is it Joe Biden or Joe Manchin? Uh, Vice President Harris, she had pushed back, all right, saying that Mr. Biden was in charge. Okay? And then she says, you're talking like a Republican. What does that mean? He He's simply asking a question. Who's in charge? Now, I got it. You may not like the question. You may not like the premise of the question, right? But he asked the question. And at that point, Vice President Kamala Harris, she could have simply not answered the question. Or she could have answered the question. But what she did was she sat there looking kind of, in no disrespect, stuck on stupid. And then her assistant or whatever jumps in and they're acting like they can't hear Charlemagne the God. And Charlemagne is like, no, nah, y'all can hear me. Y'all can hear me. <clears throat> and so Miss Harris, she goes on to say, and I quote, come on, Charlemagne. No, 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 no. It's Joe Biden. And don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. It's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. And I'm vice president. And my name is Kamala Harris. Close quote. All right. Carl Young said this. Your irritation of the world reveals more about yourself. All right. She signed up to run first for president of the United States. She came out with a whole bunch of fanfare when she announced nobody wanted to back her. Trying to figure out where all her sorority sisters were. But anyways, nobody wanted to back her. Eventually, they chose her to be his running mate because she was a black Asian woman. Not because of her skills, not because of her qualifications. That's why they chose her. Hey, you just want to be chosen on the basis of particular characteristics? I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure, but nonetheless, that's why they chose her. They didn't choose her because she's qualified. They chose her because she's checked the box. So you've got Vice President Harris, who is being interviewed by Charlemagne the God. She doesn't like the question. She kind of doesn't want to answer the question. I mean, which is her right. She could have said that, but they acted like there was audio problems. Her assistant or whomever tries to jump in and try to run some interference. 
Then Miss Harris chooses to answer the question. And how does she answer it? She answers it by casting aspersion on Charlemagne the God by simply saying, you're talking like a Republican. So then the implication again is echoing what Biden said about black people. It's She is echoing what Biden said about black people on the very same show. You black people, you shouldn't be talking like a Republican, meaning when you criticize the president, black people, you're sounding like a Republican. You should be walking lockstep with your Democratic Party. And when a black man or black woman rises up to question something that's happening with the Democratic administration, all of a sudden, it's a problem. You're getting out of line. The second thing is this. Anytime, if you've got a boss, if you've got a religious leader who has to assert their position, right? That's a telltale sign of insecurity. She said, I'm vice president and my name is Kamala Harris. We know who you are. Everybody around the world knows who you are, your name, and the job that you are supposed to be doing. People know when you walk in a room, that's the vice president of the United States. Her name is Kamala Harris. But the fact that a leader, quote unquote, has to say something like, I'm your mama, you need to listen to me, or I'm your boss, you're going to do what I'm told, that's actually demonstrating that your ability to influence people through your example or through a morally persuasive argument is severely lacking. And all that you could use, you defaulted to a position of authoritarianism. You did. Vice President Kamala Harris, I'll put respect on your name. You ran, you got voted in. But once again, you've demonstrated your leadership is poor. And the only way that you could influence, influence synonymous with power, the only way that you could use your power in the presence of Charlemagne the God was you had to appeal by saying, I'm vice president. My name is Kamala Harris. That sounded so juvenile. Again, it sounded very juvenile. But that's what's happened nationally. Now, let's get to what's happening locally. Conway. Conway, Arkansas. What's going on? What's good? So there was like a series of school threats that were happening that targeted some of our middle schools, junior, junior high and middle and high schools in the last week and a half. So the Conway Police Department had reported uh, these threats. And in fact, they arrested two juveniles. All right. So reporting from our trusty Dusty. I didn't mean that pejoratively, Dusty. But reporting from our... Uh, Law Cabin, Democrat Gazette. All right, let me pull up my list here. All right. 
And this is from Jordan Woodson. Jordan Woodson be cranking out some articles. All right. So Jordan Woodson, he had published on, all right, December 18th. All these ads is getting away. I tell you. All right. A new, and I'm quoting Jordan Woodson is the journalist. Uh, he filed this December 18th, 2021. All right. A new trend on the video sharing social media platform TikTok has recently been linked to the increase in threats made against not only schools in Conway area, but around the entire nation as well. It's unclear how it started, but the social media challenge asked students to call in a shooting or bomb threat to schools, something that Conway has had multiple reports on over the past week. In the last week, the Conway Police Department was made aware of some threats specific to our area. Conway police said in a Facebook post, quote, although we do not believe these threats to be credible in nature, we investigate claims such as this to the fullest extent. <clears throat> Already, Conway police have arrested two students responsible for making such threats against the middle schools in the area. These specific challenges along with any, and it's all in caps, violent, negative social media influences create problems for our students, our schools, and our community. The Conway Public School District said Friday. All right. Uh, Little Rock FBI Public Affairs was also quoted just in the last month. BB, Dumas, and Monticello have also received similar threats. All right. Uh, Hagen, uh, who's speaking as the public affairs officer for the FBI, he says, and I quote, you can face up to five years in prison for posting hoax threats, whether they be over social media or text message or email. It's a federal crime, he said to KATV. It's threatening interstate communications. That's the statute we look at when we're investigating these crimes. All right. Uh, Conway Public School District encourages parents and guardians to closely monitor your students' online activity, especially on social media platforms, the district said. Please talk with your students about severe consequences of posting and making threats to a school. Let's all work together to keep our students at our school safe. All right. So that's posted by Jordan Woodson of the Law Cabin Democrat. Uh, the headline TikTok trend linked to increase in school threats. So parents, do you know what TikTok is? Like, if you're on right now, parents. Do you know what TikTok is? Second, parents, do you know if the TikTok app is on your child's phone? If you don't, I would encourage you after, hey, do it during the show. Ask your child for their phone, right? Have them unlock it, stick it up to their face, put in the code, whatever, and show me your tick, show me the TikTok app. Look at what they're posting. If you don't know, here you go. So the TikTok app looks like this. It's black. And it's got TikTok, right? So you open it up. All right. All right. So what you can do is. <laughs> let me turn this down. So there's the home. There's a discover, there's an ad video. All the way over there's a, is the profile. If you hit right there, you can see all the videos, 
that they're posting, right? Here's another thing, right? They could have more than one account, all right? So what you can do is go to that three-line area right there, right? Manage account, all right? And you can see the other accounts that they, if they've got them. Because there's a possibility <clears throat> your child could be having the account that you see and there could be another account. So look at all of them. And in fact, I would encourage you, look at their Instagram, look at their Snapchat. Most young kids don't have Facebook, but look at that as well. The reason I'm saying this is this. If you've got a child and you've given them a cell phone, who's paying for that bill? You paying for that bill, you have all rights and privileges to go through every aspect of that phone. Again, this is a TikTok trend. All right? TikTok has all these types of challenges. There's dance challenges. There's fundraiser type challenges, so on and so forth. And there's these type of challenges as well. Slap Your Teacher was one earlier this year. One of the things that we need to pay attention to is this. When you have individuals, and I'm not saying just young people, school age, I'm talking about any human being, right? If we have individuals that lack purpose in the real world, they have not been given purpose. They have not been told to how to discover what their purpose is. They can go into the fake world, if you will. We'll just say, AKA the meta, the matrix, and they can find purpose. They can use hashtags. They can look at other videos, see what other people are doing. They're like, hey, I'll do that. Because when I do that, I'm going to get some type of acknowledgement of what I am doing. Likes, comments, shares, duets, so on and so forth. If we are not going to work towards infusing and assisting our children to find purpose in this real world, they're going to go find purpose in this false world. Because the stuff that happens in here is a false world. It's a, a false world of cropping, of filters, of shape-shifting, all types of editing to present yourself a particular way in this world and then receive some type of affirmation. The online world does not translate into the real world. What do I mean? What do I mean? So we have a loss of objectivity, all right? And, and with this loss, all right, of objectivity, and with this loss of objectivity to find a purpose, people are not doing things that are meaningful, that are building their individual lives up, which then can translate into helping other individuals find meaning through purpose. So 
the false or technological world, it'll provide a series of behaviors, challenges, but they lack consequences, right? Unless those behaviors are attempted in the real world. Yeah, you know, you may silence your account for 30 days. You may get shadow banned, okay? But these apps are driven by an algorithm. These apps are driven by having people consistently return and use those things. And so the more that we can keep people involved in this false world, they begin to lose a sense of how to conduct themselves in the actual real world. If I do mean emojis at somebody or say, boy, you stupid, you busted, you look busted. There's no five-year federal law against that. I may just get like, your account's been locked for 30 days. But what can happen is if people get liked, if people get built up because they've talked to someone in a particular way or they've shared something that is not acceptable in the real world, what can happen is when they, if you will, unplug for a moment out of the false world and go back into the real world and then try to do those things that are quote unquote acceptable in the false world and try to do them in the real world, then they're about to face a world of hurt. So what we are having are individuals who lack purpose in the real world. Finding a purpose in the false and then trying to apply it here, it's not going to go well. The problem comes when people try to reconcile these just misaligned purposes. Like, I'm in the real world. I'm getting liked and shared and built up. Why are why is it not translating out here in the in the real world? Maybe if I do some of these same things, somebody's going to like it and talk about me, but the fact of the matter is that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is some popo Federal agent is going to be coming knocking at your door, talking about Johnny or Jeremy or Janie or Anthony or Dre or Juan. Y'all need to come with us. Since your parents won't search your phones, we'll do it for you. So the positive of this is this, ladies and gentlemen, parents, fathers first. Be unapologetic. Sit down with your children and say, give me your phone. I pay the bill. I'm going to look through your phone. And if I find anything questionable, we're going to talk about it. Mothers, do the same thing. It would be horrible. For you to, the first time you check your phone, your your child's phone is when some law enforcement agent is taking your son or daughter down to juvenile hall, and then you're shook. They go to Sunday school. They're on mission trips. 
They volunteer all the time at the high school. I just can't believe. Ladies and gentlemen, adults, parents, you have to keep up with what is going on here. Talk to your kids about it. It seems so like cliche. Got it. They just talked about it here on this news article. But the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, this is a whole other world in here. Like when Mark Zuckerberg was talking about is talking about the meta, right? He's not playing. Like the movie Matrix Resurrections is coming out. Like it's the same thing. There's the real world. There's the Matrix. There is the real world. There is the meta. There is the real world that has real life consequences. There is the meta where you can make yourself be whomever you want to be and you can control the consequences and so on and so forth, right? The matrix. And then you're also controlled because you're given stimuli to respond a certain way. Ladies and gentlemen, again, there is the real world and there is TikTok. It's part of the quote unquote meta, if you will. I'm not talking about meta Facebook, but just the meta similar to a matrix. Again, there is the real world with real life consequences. And then there is this other world where your children are living. Inspect that world. Interrogate that world. Do not let this be the one that provides purpose to your child. The matrix provided purpose to everyone that was plugged into it. And if you're not careful, the meta, the TikToks, the Instagrams, all the other type of social media apps, if we're not going to provide purpose as loving parents to our children, there is a group of people, a corporation who will create something that will integrate your child into that system and they will give them purpose and meaning. And you'll look up one day and you'll be like, what happened to my child? All righty. So we talked about Spider-Man, talked about Vice President Kamala Harris, and we've talked about TikTok. I'm paying attention, Mark Zuckerberg. Paying attention, Twitter, Instagram. Don't let them use you, y'all. Don't let them use you. Don't let them use you. Well, thank you for joining the show today. Hey, this is the final show for the year. It is Christmas time. So there will be no show next two Sundays, right? I would encourage you to uh, follow my podcast over on anchor.fm. Any or any other place you get your podcast content, Spotify, Google, iTunes, there'll be content going out on there. And then I will catch you in January. Uh, please subscribe to the website, philipfletcher.org, and you can keep up with um, some cool new stuff that I have going out, just some thoughts and reflections to help guide you uh, in your week. It's been a good year. It's going to get better. Don't give in to fear. Live in hope. 
So be love, be kind, be generous, be courageous. And if we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible. Take care. God bless. Merry Christmas. And I will see you in 2022. Take care. Hey, if you found something of value, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Find us on Facebook at Dr. Philip Fletcher. Find us on Twitter at Phil Fletcher. And as always, visit us on the website, philipfletcher.org.